one, a two, a one, two, three, four. T to G to I to A to A. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first. Thank God it's first Friday. Hello, everybody, and for the last time, this is Deacon Luke Rowicki. And for the next year, I'm still Brother Angitori. <laughs> <laughs> but I say for the last time because as our faithful fans know... In nine days... Nine days and counting, I will be ordained a priest. Wild. Amazing. A, a wild priest? A wild priest. <laughs> for Jesus. So, so obviously we're recording this episode before Brother Luke enters into his sacred period of retreat. Spiritual exercises. Which you're starting this evening. Yes. So this episode will be released the day before you're ordained a priest, the last day of your retreat, at which point you will be more than ready to be configured to Christ for all eternity. So have you, listener, ever wondered what goes on in the heart and mind of a man on the threshold of his ordination? I think those are the kind of questions that Brother Andrew has prepared for me. Indeed. So I have in front of me this it's a piece of paper shaped like a, I don't know, what is it shaped it's like? like a chevron. Actually, that's just the official name a of it. A chevron? <laughs> Actually, and you're right. It is shaped like a chevron. Exactly. And so, so yeah, I think we should ask, I think you're on the you're on the hot seat tonight for the Luke. All right. Luke. Almost Father Luke. I'll accept that as long as the uh, June episode is more focused on my other co-host. <laughs> well, I think we're going to have to focus on all the fruits of the first month of your priesthood. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, so yeah. So before we dive into these, these interview, dynamic interview of this man who's about to be ordained a priest, um, how, was your, how was your Holy Week, Easter? What did you do? Where did you go? You're, in, you're still in Mexico, right? Uh, incredible. Yeah. And I can't wait to hear your stories, too. So I was in... So as you all know, I'm in Monterey, Mexico, but we took a group of about 20 young men from Monterey, eight hours south of Monterey to San Miguel de Allende. And so from there, uh, drove maybe 45 minutes kind of on these dirt roads uh-huh. to arrive to these very small towns. Um, ours was probably the biggest of the small towns and it has 300 houses. Okay. So that's what they're telling us. We didn't, we weren't able to, we try, we wanted to visit all the families the idea is that you're you spend the week of Holy Week, so Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday, serving um, the parish, serving the parishioners, um, getting the people excited about the masses, confessions, offering confessions. We did a lot of games with the kids. We did some talks for the parents. We brought donations of non-perishable items. We brought some clothes. Gotta love those non-perishables. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was an incredible experience because, as we we're going to talk about this episode, I'm about to be ordained a priest. And the the deal with these small towns, why it's so helpful for them and why the, the pastors in those areas are so grateful mm-hmm. is because they can't make it. It's like rather than a priest having one parish where he celebrates two or three masses or maybe he even has an assistant uh, pastor here in these uh, these Mexican towns, there's so many Catholics, which is beautiful, but it's one priest, and he has to take on maybe 20 different parishes, so to speak, 20, in 20 different towns. And so he can't obviously dedicate the amount of time he would like to to each person. And so then that's where we come in, the missionaries, and there's something like 80,000 in Mexico or something. Oh, it was wow. like a huge number, tons and tons. And that's lay people legionaries, consecrated men and women. Yeah, these are the famous mega missions. Mega misiones. Uh, and so, and we hadn't done it in two years because of the whole pandemic and everything. So they were even more excited to have us there. And yeah, it was an incredible experience of seeing the faith of these, of, of all the people that live there because they, 
Um, they live they live well. They live simple lives. Um, it's not abject to poverty, but they live yeah simple lives. They they raise their crops. They have their animals. That's what they that's the sustenance of their lives and things. So they get by. They have work and factories and things like that. But as one of the women who lives right in front of the parish was insisting and insisting and telling us was that we wait all year around all year round for for this week when the wow. missionaries come. That's amazing. And so we were blown away by um, their gratitude, and we were just so grateful. That's really humbling that, for somebody oh, yeah. to tell you that. Like I've been waiting this whole year for you to come. Like most people wait for their vacation to know, uh, like to wherever. Yeah, or Friday. Or, wait like, for the weekend. Yeah, for the weekend, and they're waiting for Holy Week when the missionaries come Man. and they bring life. And so they they were the middle schoolers or ninth graders, and with just a lot of flair and pizzazz, and they come ready to ready to serve, and they they did a great job, and it was everything from playing soccer with the boys to coloring with the girls, to um, practicing for the Stations of the Cross. We did like the live Stations of the Cross, so, like dressed up as the soldiers, and there was mm-hmm. Jesus, and that was yeah. Were you Jesus? I was not. I was, I was a, one of the like bystanders back in the day in Jerusalem that didn't do anything. I was just like, oh, I'm busy, but I was taking photos. I was a photographer. Okay, cool. So. Um, so that was, that was my Holy Week in, in a nutshell, incredible experience, beautiful. Um, yeah, I'm sure anecdotes will come as we, as we go, but yeah, yeah. what did you do for the Andrew? So I, so I got on, I got on a plane and I went to the border of Poland and Ukraine Oof. and there with the, with the exuberant youth section of, uh, Random Christie in Krakow, about 40 or so young people. Shout out to y'all. That's right. Father Agustin Gomez. All right, let's give it, say like shout out in Polish or like, what would you say? I don't know how you say shout in Polish. But how would you say like, what's up? Um, what's so, up? My- so Tom Swichach. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. All right. I think that, or so Swichach. So means what? If you're listening to this, you speak Pol- Polish, put something in the comments. Please. Some feedback. He needs feedback to continue perfecting, correcting. Exactly. <laughs> so, so obviously the, the point of the, the missions, the trip was to help the, the Ukrainian refugees, right? So at this point, it seems that the, the flow of refugees from Ukraine into other countries has sort of slowed. And even some people are, you could see going back into Ukraine. I met this at the border crossing over into Ukraine in, in the building checkpoint, I was handing out crosses, and I was I gave this cross to a, a father and his two and his two young like uh, teenage kids, and and he was going back into Ukraine, um, presumably you know his house is fine or whatever, um, but it was just the people meeting the people there was so beautiful. Like when I gave him these crosses, he was just so he started to cry. It was just a simple little cross, you know. Um, but he just had so much faith. It's it's amazing how, in in areas of conflict, disaster, um, like what you just said, a simplicity of life, whatever, where people don't have all the comforts, um, or even they're they're being persecuted, like as here in Ukraine, um, you can you can either be angry or you can either be frustrated with your lot in life, um, or you can grow and have a deep faith and depend on God. And, and find there your ultimate value, ultimate support and rock foundation, right? And I think that's that suffering definitely favors that, even though it's not a good thing. Um, it's, it's not obviously not a good thing, uh, war. Um, but God, like this master artist, brings out beauty from from evil. 
And so, so yeah, so it was a beautiful mission experience. Uh, lots of enthusiasm. We, our main work was making was handing out food. Tons of sandwiches. We made we made salads. We were we, you able to communicate like with your the Polish that you know, which is pretty good. Like, how long have you been speaking or studying? Yeah, so I uh, four years ago I did an online course in Polish. And you have your diploma to show it. <laughs> yeah, so online courses probably don't have a good good rap, but actually it was really good. It was this professor in Krakow. Uh, at a university, it was an, it was one hour a week, just me and her, and it was only in Polish. So at the very beginning of the course, it was so hard, so so hard, and at the end of the course, it was so hard. <laughs> so we got rid of one of the so. Wow, so that was at least a lot of progress. There. <laughs> but it was a beautiful experience. It was obviously in emissions that you get tired, um, but we were helping the refugees with their with their luggage, with their like at the train station. It was mainly women and children, right? Because men have to stay in the country to help, um, and so giving out food and and my but my favorite experience was was um, Palm Sunday, uh, crossing over into. I, I had a three hour time slot where I was able to cross over from Poland into Ukraine, and I. I, I had all these crosses, like I was saying, and I said, I need to, I, I, I can't just hand out food. I need to, I need to give Jesus, you know, Amen. which is, which is a work of mercy, right? I mean, yep. giving food is, so it's a good thing. It's not like you have to, you have to say the name Jesus when you're doing a work of mercy, right? That already is what Jesus did, but I wanted to do it specifically. And so I, so I was like, okay, I'm going to cross over. Let's see what happens. Let's see what we find. And I was just went to the, all the pe- the people that I saw there. There were uh, like Ukrainians, and they understand Polish, and they understood an American <laughs> speaking broken Polish. Thanks be to God, that was the Holy Spirit. I mean, not so broken. <laughs> That's impressive. So, so I so I went to them, and it was I just felt like I I wanted to love them, and I wanted to tell them, you know, the whole world is with you, and and we're we're, we're you know we're praying for for peace, and and you're not alone, and 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 there's gonna be peace. We're gonna win, and. And you know, here's here's a cross. You know, Jesus loves you so much, and 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 try not to worry. And and it was just a beautiful. Uh, it's just beautiful how that message just reached people's hearts. This one woman said, "Yeah, I just lost my home. I don't know what to do." And 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 but she said, "Okay, now I'm gonna wear this cross around my neck." You know, or I met these kids, just so innocent kids. Uh, they're just beautiful, and and they were just so happy to to get <laughs> to get a, a missionary cross. And it was just it. Just something really small. You just feel so powerless in front of like the evil of the, of the, you know, the powers of the world that determine the fate of so many people. And you just feel so small. Yeah, like, and, what can I do? And Right. And I ask myself a lot, like, how is handing out sandwiches like, and, or, or putting, you know, meat on this or slapping on, you know, the mayonnaise, like, how am I helping people? But it, it is. Yep. Every, when everybody comes together and does a little part, it does make a difference. And you met these people from all over the world, volunteers. Israel, Bolivia, Belgium, South Africa, everybody wanted to come and help. It was just beautiful. All so these... well, you got to see that firsthand because you sort of hear about it in the news and things. That right. Volunteers are coming in and doing what they can and governments are sending whatever. Right. Yeah, millions but and millions. you got to see it firsthand. Yeah, it's this great organ. If you want to donate money, um, I suggest you donate money to an organization called World Central Kitchen, which was the organization that I that we volunteered for, the Regnum Christi Group. And they just give out free food to people in conflict areas. And it's it's great. They do so much good work. So it was a beautiful experience. Thanks be to God that he gave us an opportunity. You know, um, it's really easy for those of us who, who do work like this to realize that 
um, you know, other people, you know, might think, wow, I can't believe he, he did that. Or I can't believe he did on missions or like, wow, what a great person. And we're the first person to say that it's an act of mercy of God <laughs> that he allows us to, to, to bring his love to other people. Like it's, because it, because it, you just receive so much more as everybody says it's just so true folks yep, it happens every time <laughs> you just receive so much more but anyways let's close this chapter let's keep praying for peace in ukraine brother luke you're about to be ordained a catholic priest what is a priest oh okay <laughs> i think i had an exam question on this back in the theology days that's right what is a priest like you say that name people today might think uh, priest, like I don't even know what that is. It's like a male nun, or it's like, or <laughs> what is it? Like, 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 you're. Has anyone really ever said that? Yeah. So, like, you're. <laughs> I actually did hear somebody from a, from somebody else who did hear it. Like on the somebody was like on the like on a city bus, and a, a brother said, "Are you a male nun?" Exactly. <laughs> so, so right. besides a you know a male nun. How would you explain? <laughs> and that pretty much sums it up. I think that's like, it kind of gets to the core of it. You know, male, the... you have to be male. Yeah. You know, um, dedicated to God. No, I would say the two things that come to my mind are another Christ and the love of Christ's heart. I think love of Christ's heart was John Vianney, if I'm not mistaken. But that's how he described a priest. Like, what is a priest? It's the love of Christ's heart. And what does that mean? So I think the experience that we all have, first of all, is that we're not worthy of this. It is, it's a gift, a vocation. So it's not something that we train for ourselves. We look for, I, I merit this because I've trained and studied all these things. Or like, I want this, I'm going to do it no matter what. No, it's a gift, first of all. So vocation, God says, hey, I choose you. You have to freely say yes because he doesn't force us either. But you realize, and I'm sure this is true for both of us and, and every priest out there, that it goes way, it's much, something much bigger than you. Like the priesthood is, the only high priest is Christ. And so each, each of us represents and we live out and we um, live out his mercy and his love and his mission. We continue the saving mission of Christ mm-hmm. who's mysteriously present now in each priest. And so we present through some miracle of the sacrament of holy orders in me. He will be loving through me. That's what I was trying to get to that. As a priest, you realize, or as a soon-to-be priest, as a brother and deacon training to be a priest, that, wow, this vocation is, it's not me that's doing this. And and it's much bigger than me. So if I have my little problems and things, I need to, like, put that aside because this is about Christ wants to reach this person that's in front of me. And so the priest is this instrument or just a bridge between the whoever the person is and Christ and God, God himself. And so I think that's how I understand the love of Christ's heart. It, it's almost like the priest, as like John the Baptist said, like I must decrease and he must increase is maybe a good way to sum up what a priest is. Wow. So if that's what a priest is, why is being priest a good idea? Because, I mean, you've given up many things, right? Um, you, you can't have, you don't have a wife. You're never going to, you're not going to have sex, which is a great thing in life. Everybody likes it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, be honest, folks. You're, you're, you're offering that up. You're not going to have a family. You're not going to have kids. You know, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to come home and, you know, um, you're not going to, you're religious too. You have a vow of obedience. You can't decide like where you're going to go, what you're going to do. Like you've taken like, but then I see you and you're, you're, you're happy. You're, you're full of life. You have peace in your eyes. Like why? 
Yeah, well, so first of all, it's a vocation. I wasn't looking for it. So in 13 years ago when this started, I had what I thought was like everything that I wanted. So like growing up, I always thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a dad, a husband, have, have a good job, like whatever, enough to provide for my family. And also like in the mix was like music and like, you know, to do something with music would have been really cool. He has a great voice, folks, which you all know. As does my co-host, the director <laughs> of chant here at the seminary. Uh, and so I was thinking, okay, well, in college, I had all of that. I had um, the band, the the my major in architecture was going well. Mm-hmm. I was about to go study in Barcelona. I had an internship in an architecture firm. I had a girlfriend, my friend. So it's like everything sort of added up. It was like, okay, well, this is pretty much the person I wanted to be when I was younger. If I had to look at myself in the mirror, I, I should be perfectly happy right now. And there was something missing. It was because I wasn't living my faith. And I discovered that very fast. And so I said, well, Lord, I'm going to put my life in your hands. And I really wasn't living my faith at the time. And so like that was the first kind of grace that God gave me that I really all of a sudden desired to know what his plan was for my life. And within three weeks or, yeah, it was maybe it was like a month max, I'd already met two priests, been invited to a discernment retreat, been told by a lady, like indirectly, but that I should be a priest out of nowhere. And all this was happening so fast. So the first thing is that I didn't want to be a priest. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to do it? I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> now I do, obviously, but I didn't at first. Because all I saw was, hey, my plans and what I thought would make me happy and to, and to have my family and have my wife and all these things, that's what I've always wanted. I felt like all the other things were kind of like if I'd had a good job or not, but as long as I had my family and I could had someone that loved me and that I could love them and I, we could have children and I could raise them. And, and so that was kind of like the first thing that I really had to say, okay, well, Lord, if you're asking me to do this, I know that you're going to make me happy, even if you're taking that away. I know that I will experience an even greater joy, the hundred, hundredfold, right? That mm. if we would leave for Christ, you know, our our fields, since we're, can't, we're farmers, <laughs> and our houses and our families and all these things, we're going to get a hundred times that now and in eternity. There's this great line from the song, Be Still My Soul. And it's so apropos. It's... Be still, my soul, thy Jesus can repay. From his own fullness, all he takes away. So Jesus can repay in his fullness all that he takes away. I remember also Father Owen Kern, shout out, and his awesome vocation story that he starts by singing a Beatles song. <laughs> like he started like singing it in the mic. It was really awesome. He said that too. He said... Man, like, if God is asking me to give this up, which is so good, yeah. which is like having a family and stuff, yeah. Like, what is it? What is it that He has in store? It must be incredible. Yeah. And so, like, you start to experience that in our vocation, and like, when you're selfish, like my, like the moments where it's been more difficult, it's true. It's true. It's like I'm only thinking about myself and what I've given up. Me too. Yeah. Absolutely. But then when I'm living in the moment and in the present moment, and I'm thinking and I'm seeing how God works through me, and and like you experience in prayer, like the desires that Christ has in His heart for the people that you work with how much he loves you, uh, how free he leaves you to say yes or to say no. It just, it fills you with, I don't know, with passion for life and with an energy and humility, a lot of humility and and gratitude um, before such an amazing thing. So why would I leave it all? Well, first of all, because I've experienced the love of Christ and it seems like there's no better way to dedicate my life than to have other people experience that same love and mercy that they're loved no matter what. Man. You left me speechless. Folks, what should I ask next? <laughs> That's really beautiful. It's beautiful also how you highlighted how 
like your what really gives you energy and fullness is this love from Christ. And so um well I was recently at a, at a at a wedding and it really helped me to shed light on my own like in our own vocation, right? Um like you know husband and wife they give their um they become one flesh, right? And they um they're called to give their lives to each other, you know, together like for for life. And I was thinking about like my, our own vocation is just that is to lay down our lives for our wives, you know, or our wife, which is the church. And so I guess my question would be, where do you get this energy? Like, how do you, like, does it just come to you through osmosis? Like, are you sleeping at night and like the next day you're like waking up and like, yeah, Christ our King, the kingdom come, I can do this. Or like, how do you, how, where, where, and how do you get this love and this energy? Because, there needs to be a source, right? You said Christ. Obviously, it's Christ. But, like, how? Like, what do you do? Like, how does that get to you? Well, um, it's definitely not always, like, you don't always feel the energy. Like, you don't always feel peppy and ready. And, like, today's been an awesome day. Like, if you look at your schedule and it's like, I have this meeting and I have to drive 30 minutes and do this and I have to drive back. And then it's like, what am I going to even eat lunch? And then, oh, man, do I have to pray? And then what am I gonna, where am I going to go to Mass? Like, I can easily get stressed. And I'm sure that happens in any vocation. Yeah. And so, like, part of me is just like, okay, I'm going to put that in God's hands and like, I'm going to try to do it with as much love as I can. But that, I, have, I mean, especially when you don't feel it, which is kind of like the day-to-day. Like, I, I love what I do, but it's not like I'm always like, hey, this is going to be great, you know? Yeah, like, sure. Um, yeah. And if it's hot outside and you're getting sweaty, like, playing soccer with the kids, and then it's like you have to go and give a talk, and it's like, like, there's moments of, like where you're uncomfortable, and that happens in any vocation. And I think the key is remembering why you're doing it and then staying connected to Christ like through prayer. Because if you don't pray, I notice in my life, like if, I, if I'm if i not praying it's just because I'm lazy, um, then like you'll start to like lose, yeah, like lose focus, get discouraged and all those things. Um, but I think, yeah, the energy comes from that relationship because this vocation isn't possible without without God and without being connected to him, without the grace that he gives you. Um, and then also like there's obviously resonance and then someone called to the priesthood right. when you're living that out as best as you can with your mistakes and everything. There's a, it like, yeah, it resonates. It fills you at the end of the day, you're, you're dead tired because you woke <laughs> up early, you went to bed late and you do that all throughout the week, but it's satisfying. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I think you forget that too in the seminary, like, mm-hmm. cause you're, you have two more years here. No, one, 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 one more, one year. more year. Yeah. Cause you're already in second theology. Like, I think it's easy to forget that when you're in the seminary mm-hmm. and then you get back out into like the mission, you're working at a school and like daily you're working with these kids and their families and yeah. things like that. And you remember you're at the flock. Yeah. Like you see how much the world needs priests and men of God and, and like how hungry they are, especially in missions. There's actually, so speaking of anecdotes, the one that came, um, cause of mine right now. So it was, I think it was, uh, pretty sure it was Palm Sunday. And so we had said, okay, Deacon Luke, you take care of talks for the adults and the missionaries, you guys take care of games for the, the teenagers and then other missionaries like half and half teenagers and then kids. Okay, perfect. So we had, we had Palm Sunday mass in the evening and then, and the father, Jose Enrique was just like hopping around from town to town to town. So he came to our town and he had to drive really quick and go to another town. And so these women in the morning on Sunday morning were asking me, oh, is there going to be a talk for us? And I said, ah, well, no, not today because we have this Palm Sunday Mass in the evening. So it's kind of like 
like my job is done because they've had their formation because which is a two hour mass or hour and a half long mass and like mm-hmm. I didn't think I needed to give them more and right. I did actually have something prepared but I was like in the end I was like no nah, there's not gonna talk another lady comes and I said no 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 there's not gonna be a talk and then lunchtime and then the afternoon and then we have the mass and after the mass some, another another third lady comes in the sacristy and says hey so uh, father is there, gonna, is there gonna be a talk. I was like, oh my goodness, like, if you really want one, sure. <laughs> it's like, that's just beautiful to see. Yeah. Um, and like, you get little sympathies, like, people are hungry for God, hungry for Christ. And it was, it was amazing. And so I gave this really simple, I got, and rather than talks, I had like discussions planned so that they would talk amongst themselves. Okay. And so it was a lot of, um, that day it was just a bunch, it was I maybe mean, 15 uh, ladies. And so I kind of got a discussion going um, on what is love, actually. And like how love implies sacrifice and how love, like when fear comes, that uh, takes away love. So we had this really good discussion, simple, but good. But uh, yeah, I, I said yes in the end because I realized, well, if they want it, of course, like how, who am I? Like, again, it's not like for me to, the priest is not something that I can hoard is to share. And so if they want, they're asking for more, let's do it. I'm all in. And so, um, Yeah. So that's sort of that's that's it's beautiful that people have a hunger, right, for for God. They they've never met you, um, no, and but they they know that you represent God, right, in a, in a humble way, and and they just come to you and they're like they're eager for it, right. It's beautiful to see, and and I guess probably other parts of the world, um, the eagerness for the priest is, is you know maybe not as fresh, right. Yeah. <laughs> to put it to put it lightly, right. I mean, of course. Uh, the priesthood in the last um, 30 or so years has been greatly uh, tarnished, right? Uh, it's lost much credibility in the eyes of many people, right? Um, and legitimately so, right, for the sins of, of so many people who, who, are, who are in the same vocation, right? Why do you seek admittance into this institution that has been so, mm, yeah, just has, that has just lost so much of its luster, that has been... Um, so publicly defamed and so stained by many by many people. Like why hmm. why would you want to be a part of that? And, and and even interesting, like like our religious order itself was founded by founded by a man who is is notorious for for sins like these. So um, it's like it's funny, like like uh, we we can't escape this. It's like it's so much a part of our lives. But but in 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 a sense, like historically, but in a, in another way, it seems like. Um, it seems like it's not a part of our lives. It seems like there's something else that's bigger, that's 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 shining. Why, why do you want to be a part of this? There are a lot of... It's very true, everything you're saying about the priesthood, and we all we know that, and we've experienced it. Like, you know, people coming to us and, like, they're far from the church now because they had a bad experience or whatever. Um, we had talks, I don't know if it was a year ago, two years ago, from victims of abuse mm-hmm. from priests. Right. And it breaks your heart. And you... It's it's so sad to see the impact it has, the trauma it causes, and lifetime scars that people have to live with. And it's terrible. And so part of that is a motivation like I, well, first of all, like me being no better than them, I need to be on guard against any temptations. I need to, yeah. like we know there's so many people praying for us. And so we need to like receive those graces and, and continue asking people like, hey, everyone listening to this podcast, please pray for us. Yeah. Because it's not easy. But then at the same time, there's so many holy priests. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I'm very motivated mm-hmm. to yeah, be yeah, like yeah. them. Like these holy priests that I see in my daily life, the priests that I live with. 
Um, there's an Irish priest who I live with, Father Patrick McMiniman, who's been in Monterey. So like speaking of being a missionary, it's like he's been in Monterey 35 years. He's from Ireland. So he was sent from I think, to the U.S. From Ireland? Mm-hmm. Father Patrick? Get some and, potatoes uh-huh. and haggis on the grill. Uh, yes, he, he <laughs> can, likes that. Can you grill haggis? He actually calls potatoes <laughs> spuds. Spuds? Yes, he calls them spuds. He doesn't call them spuds. Yeah, spuds maybe. He might. <laughs> he's from Northern Ireland. Ah, he's from the North. Oh, he's from the North. Belfast. Oh, Belfast. Yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, that's oh, correct. Very yeah. good. Very good. Yeah. Little green man in the North. So you can tell by Andrew's accent better than mine because he actually lived there for two years. <laughs> uh, so Father Patrick is just an incredible example. He's, I think he's, I'm sorry if I'm wrong here. I think he's almost 70. Okay. So he's he's up there, and he has the energy of a I don't know twenty year old, an uh-huh. eighteen year old. He um like he'll play paddle in the afternoon. He'll get back. He'll shower. He'll run to bring communion to someone. And he'll go to anointing the sick. He has a dinner that night. He gets back late, and the next morning he's up early to celebrate mass at one of the schools. And he's just like go go mm-hmm, go mm-hmm, go. Mm-hmm. And he's the funniest person ever meet. He's just like <laughs> he's so it's so fun to be around him. And he is, he transmits. He just radiates peace and joy and. And like when I see that kind of example, that's what motivates me um, to continue giving myself completely. There was a documentary I saw too um, during Lent called "I Am Fire." I think I think it's Father Henry who passed away. He had he got cancer, but he was a priest with the missionaries of the servants of Mary, if I'm not mistaken. I, they have like a really complicated name. Mm-hmm. Servants of Mary and the Sacred they, Heart. <laughs> on Holy Saturday. No, I'm, I'm wrong. I'm, I'm sorry I'm botching it, but it's like the servants of the home of... But yeah. Anyways, Claire Crockett is the same congregation. What is okay. it called? Okay. Okay. No, but she's great. So they have... I would recommend both. So Claire Crockett is All or Nothing, and then this one is I Am Fire. And it's Father Henry. Incredible example. So when you, when you see these people who just... They 24-7 are just thinking, what can I do to serve others? Because they're so moved by Christ, the example of Christ... Like, I want that. I want to continue praying. I want to continue going deeper in who God is, who Christ is. He's alive and he wants to love. And and the image of the church is so sad that people think Catholic church, pedophiles, scandals. Oh, it's so frustrating, like, isn't that? I just met a lady on a, on a oh. plane and she was saying, you know, I've been really far from the church for a long time because yeah. I just always receive this sense of guilt um, whenever. Mm-hmm. And it kills you. And so we had a good conversation with us to the plane flight, but like... She was also really confused because she started asking me about a book. And I looked it up later and I told her right before we were about to leave the baggage claim area. I was like, mm-hmm. hey, by the way, I would watch out for that book. I didn't, I'd never heard of it. A Course on Miracles, I think it's called, hmm. or A Course on a Miracle. And um, basically, like, she thought Jesus had appeared to her. But this apparition of Jesus is saying things that go against doctrine of the church. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. she's like, but it gives me so much peace and all these things. Like, not like the church does and not like the church did. Right. And so it's so sad. And so we have a chance all Christians and all Catholics are called to to make that difference and to show people the real face of the Catholic Church which which again is continuing the saving mission of Christ here on earth that's what the church is the church as a sacrament is Christ's kind of invisible presence but visible but invisible presence here on earth that's through the sacraments and through preaching and through so we have a opportunity here and you, and applying the the Dunque hermeneutic yes. as is our won't right our habit here on this podcast it's like what does this tell me about my own life like this situation you know like you you are in a position deacon to to give christ the light to so many people and to dispel doubts and to comfort and soothe broken hearts and and to you know give light to people who are who are in ignorance or whatever 
the only way that you can do that, I think, is what the way that you what you said earlier, like this energy that you receive from Christ through prayer. And so this makes me think that, like, you know, me, I'm going to be in your shoes in two years, right? And so if I want to... And it flies by. If I want to have the, like, a tenth of the energy and enthusiasm that you have for your vocation, I really need to be close to Jesus in prayer. Like, 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 this is like, like extracting from this beautiful situation, this vocation that you're sharing with us today. Like, if I, if I want to have that same fire, like, I, I need to be close to the fire. I need to, I need to turn the heat on, like, you know? So... That, that really gets me excited about like having a deeper relationship with, with Christ and knowing that he's going to, doesn't depend on my feelings. Like it, he really is going to make me sh- shed his light and, and warmth, you know, light and life to other people. Um, and that's, that's obviously not just for people who are candidates for the priesthood. That's for everybody. That's for everybody. So folks, pray, enjoy your prayer time. Don't, don't, don't be, don't be lazy. Don't just give, okay, I'm today, I'm just going to do like five minutes. No, give quality time. Embrace the silence. And even if it is five minutes, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Get to know this person who sometimes we always, we just um, push back and think he's from 2000 years ago. Get to know him because he's alive here now. now. And he's speaking to us every single day. He's speaking to you today, right now. So take five minutes at least, but yes. quality five minutes or longer because yeah. you will want to stay longer. As you, you will want to stay him. longer because when you're with somebody that you love, you don't want to you don't want to leave their side. You know, husbands and wives, or you you got a boyfriend or girlfriend, or whatever. The person that you like, you're always thinking about him or her. You're you're always, you know, and so like that should be like your first thought of the day and your last thought at night. I remember those are consecrated. Um, sorry if this embarrasses my parents. My dad always says he calls my mom like baby doll. <laughs> we know we know that they're faithful listeners. So shout out to the so, Rubiki yeah, family. Yeah, here they. We'll see what they have to say about that. But those are consecrated to Kenny one time, and I think they know this, so I don't think it's private or anything. I don't remember even who it was, but she said, "You know, I'm always in these meetings with your parents, and I hear how your dad talks to your mom and how she responds to your dad, and I always think like, wow, if they love each other that much, like how much more should I be in love with?" Christ, who's my spouse, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it was, it was funny, like that was her takeaway, mm-hmm. like, but it's beautiful because we, our vocations feed off of each other. We see a husband faithful, giving to his wife, yeah. giving his kids, like having a priority, like how can I form my kids in the faith, working hard, training, like it's, it's a, such a tough vocation and I get to see it up close and personal with my, my brothers, sisters, and my mm-hmm. nieces and nephews. I have nine and one on the way, almost wow. 10, oh, wow. double digits. And like to see the sacrifice that they make for their kids, it's beautiful. And so that inspires us as priests. And hopefully we as priests in our self-giving and sacrifice for the church, which is our spouse, we can inspire you too. Yeah. Praise God. So obviously we both of us know that in the church there are two types of priests. Um, I'm not going to ask you what those are. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's simple. There's a, There are diocesan priests and there are religious priests, right? Simple. So a priest who is bound to a territory, to a diocese for his life. Um, sometimes they change a stay, they move or whatever, but usually you're bound to the territory. Or a priest who is, is not bound to a territory, but who's bound to a religious order, which is 
trans-territorial. It goes, it goes across territories, and so you can be moved around to different places. Territory fluid. Territory fluid, as we would say yeah. today, right? <laughs> so, and you're a territory... So, Brother Luke, you are a ter- self-identifying territorial fluid. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so how would you... So you, you are not going to be a diocesan priest. You're, you're, a religi- you're going to be a religious priest. Um, why that type of priest? Why not, why not stay... In, in in Bakersfield, California, or in Dallas, Texas, or Houston, wherever your parents are living now. Yeehaw. Why not stay in Texas? Why do you want? Why did you want to to fly away? So, um, really, it's, it's very simple. I from, from the very beginning, I said, "Look, I it's either for me, it was like priest or not priest. It wasn't like diocesan or missionary okay. or whatever. It was priest or not priest, and that priesthood." Uh, example, I guess the closest to home that I always had since I was in fourth grade were, were legionaries. At the time, I didn't realize there even was a difference between like mm-hmm. the guy I was seeing at this camp and then the, the guy I was seeing at mass on Sunday in my parish. I was like, oh, they're all priests. Yeah. And then as I got older, obviously I understood the difference. But in the moment when I, so I was 20 years old, finishing my second year at Texas A&M, when the vocation pops up. And so the vocation popped up in the form of the legionary priest vocation. And so when I was discerning, it was, okay, well, am I going to be a legionary or am I going to go back and study architecture or am I going to go and be a psychologist, which is another idea I had because I like psychology. I just oh, wanted yeah. to yeah, dedicate myself to like helping people get over certain difficulties and things. Um, so for me, it was very simple. And now that I look at it, I respect so much the diocese in life. Yeah. Because, and it's beautiful. And also, I, in a sense, like envy, but in a good way, that they get to see their parishioners, and for the most part, because some of them, they move around quite a bit too, like mm-hmm. within the parishes, within the diocese. Sure. But they get to see, you know, a kid go from, you know, his baptism into his communion to his confirmation. And like, get to see these people grow up. They're sta- more stable than we are. And that's, there's something very beautiful in that. Whereas legionaries, like you, you get going, like both of us are in DC together. You get things going and moving, you have projects and, and you like have good relationships with, with certain young men and you're bringing them along and now they're helping you out and you're seeing like, wow, they're really becoming like apostles, which is what we do as legion. We want to form apostles, form young men, young women, adults, everyone to to make an impact in society and to transform culture for Christ. And then you leave and you're <laughs> yeah. done. It's like, ah, that's so hard. Um, After three years, six years or nine yeah, years. It's you like you're out, you're out of there. And so it's like Father Patrick, I mentioned earlier, 35 years is kind of an exception. Mm-hmm. Now he's like the celebrity of Monterey because he's been there so long and like every he's baptized everyone in Monterey. Oh, my <laughs> exaggeration, but um, so but the missionary priests I mean, so like saying that about diocesan priests, it's beautiful. But I feel very much called to like be sent wherever the church needs us, needs us, and as legionaries like wherever the legionaries need me to be sent and like wherever that is. If I have to learn another language, let's do it. Um, if I have to do like take on a mission or a, like a job that I've never done, all right, well, I'm going to do my best. I like the excitement of it. It's really cool. And we can also dedicate ourselves because a parish priest has to be on top of everything from like the air conditioning just went out in the parish. Like, what are we going to do? Let's go buy fans at Walmart and all these things. Mm-hmm. Whereas legionaries, we obviously we have practical things we need to take care of, but it's more like, okay, well, I can, while he's doing that, I can, you know, invite his parishioners with his permission to go to a mission trip to Haiti. Mm-hmm. And I like, do see where he can't really do that because he's, he has, he has to be there he's for the day, Sunday mass, the Saturday vigil yeah. mass. He's day in, day out. And so we have we have a very unique opportunity like to do flexibility, almost. flexibility, and just like for initiatives, like what are your ideas? What can you do? Like in in Monterey right now, we have Faro Music. So Club Faro is uh, Club Faro is the youth organization. We have the ECYD. It's materialized in Monterey, and it's called that. 
And so this this program for middle schoolers and high schoolers, I really like music, which we've mentioned. And so we um, I got five middle schoolers together and we participated in the ballad bands and we we passed from round one to round two. And then after round two, we didn't make it to the final round, but they did an amazing job. And that's something that I know that music brings people together. And these young men in particular have a gift. And so they can start using that and for good. And they wrote a song called Home dedicated to the refugees of Ukraine. Wow. And it's awesome. Like they wanted to write a, a song with a message. And this seventh grader in, so in Mexico wrote a song in English dedicated to all those people, the victims of the war in Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And so they're using their talents to spread a message, to, to motivate, to support, to show that, you know, they're there with the, the people of Ukraine. And again, like that's some, maybe something that I may, as a parish priest, I wouldn't have the opportunity to do, or as a missionary priest, you it's like more, yeah, like flexible and it's like open, open waters. You can think outside the box and you can, okay, how can I evangelize this city, this town, this state, whatever. Um, and so I, for me, it's just, I feel like that's what resonates more. That's, I, I love that. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. I want to do mission trips. I want to do, um, I don't know, road trips. I want to do camp outs. I want to do, and like get people out of their comfort zone so that they can experience something new and beautiful, which is the church, which is the gospel and dedicate my life to that. There are a lot of religious orders that could be described in those terms that you just said. What is specific about being a legionary priest, like a missionary priest in the legion? Like why, why? I mean, so of course you you have a family history, right? And you said since you were four years old, you've been you've known legionary priests, right? And so fourth that's grade. sort of been or fourth fourth yeah. grade. So that's sort of like the, the your your history, right? But. But what what do you like about the legionary priesthood of, that have attracted you? Like why why the legionary priesthood? Yeah, so I from the very very beginning. So we have a, we have we still have, but especially in the first few years as a novice, we have a, we have a very strict schedule, and that expresses the desire, the great desire as legionaries that we have to take the mission seriously of transforming culture. So we wake up early, we have an hour of prayer, we have mass, we have breakfast, then we have housework, like we'll have different chores that we'll take around around the house. Then we have study. Then we have, and the whole day from the very beginning was very, was dedicated to how, like forming us to become the best that we can be at the service of the church, wherever the legion and the church sends us. And I love that. I still love it because we're serious about what we're trying to do. And I'm not saying other congregations aren't, but the mission, the specific mission to transform culture by forming apostles. That's the other thing I love too, because I can only do so much and you, Brother Andrew, can only do so much. But if I'm able to motivate 10 other people or like Jesus did 12 other people yeah. to he, and with that 12, he literally has changed the world. The world is transformed from one corner of the globe to the other, starting with these 12 men. And they were pretty, apostles. and they were pretty mediocre men too. Yeah, they were. <laughs> I mean, if, if, you, if you've seen the chosen, you get a good yeah. taste of that. or read the gospels, obviously. And so that, that's exciting. I mean, that's the specific mission of the Legion is to transform culture, to establish the kingdom of Christ by forming apostles. And then on a, another note, it's just when you experience the Red Name Christi, which is the spiritual family that we're all a part of as legionaries and as consecrated men and women and lay people with my parents, my sibling, my siblings, um, and many of the young men and women that I work with are Red Christie Christi members. There's something special about what we do. It's like the environment that we create, the joy that we mm-hmm. um, carry with us. Like when you, like you see you see it in missions, but you see it in all the events that we do. There's just something special. And I love being a part of that. Yeah. Like there's a fire in the soul of like 
down to like these little first graders and second graders that they want to like they want to do something with it like great with their lives and it's mm-hmm, so beautiful mm-hmm. to see that um and so that always motivates me and and again the flexibility like as a legionary you're not um held down okay you were always gonna be working in a school or we're all we're only gonna work with the poor or we're or whatever the other congregations have like maybe more specific missions ours is transform culture how do you do that well think mm-hmm. outside the box talk to this businessman get in touch with this family, do a theology of the body course, um, do a course on a Bible, take these young men to a mission trip. I guess just the sky's the limit and it's okay. How can I, you know, how can God through me bring about this transformation of the culture? Let's see. Let's like, let's, okay. What are the needs of this area? And I'm going to try to respond to that. So you're, you have been given a specific area to go to, right? So you're no longer going to be, uh, in Monterey, Mexico, right? You, your area of influence has has changed. Yes. Sorry, this comes as a shock to anyone. So I've been telling people a little bit. <laughs> I just found out like the official news recently, um, a couple weeks ago. So I have been working in Monterey, San Pedro, and Monterey area um, for this past year. Got in July 2021, and then at the end of July this year, I'll be moved to Whoa. Raleigh. North Carolina. Woo! So I'm going to be a chaplain at a high school there. Um, and it's very exciting for me. Cardinal Gibbons High School is what it's called. Um, I'm excited to meet who's going to be kind of like my my boss, I guess. I, mean, I don't know if that's the title he would prefer. But he's a director of like the pastoral life. And he's going to be coming to my ordination. That's amazing. And so I'm excited to meet him. I'm excited to meet the staff. I'm excited to meet have you ever met him before? No, no, no. And he's just coming to your ordination? Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. His name is Gary. So, okay. Gary, shout out to you. Shout out to Gary. Um, and thanks for all your prayers. He's been letting me know that he and his community is praying for me and people. And so awesome. that's really nice. And so I'll be at there at the end of July. And as amazing as my experience in Mexico has been, they also told me, hey, you're only be there for a year. And so I was sort of prepared for this, but open to if they let me stay for longer. Yeah. Because I love the work we're doing there. Yeah, it's hard to change places. Yeah. It's tough. Like you, you're, you're connecting with these young men and these families and um, you're seeing them grow. Mm-hmm. And... But yeah, as legionaries, we're called to be missionaries. And so part of that is wherever they send us, we're we're ready and we're um, eager and available. And we're going to give 100%. I'm 100% Monterey right now, and I'll be 100% in Raleigh. Um, and so, and still available to the people in Monterey, like, you know, obviously. It's not like I disappear from the face of the earth either. Right. So so that's the exciting news. As you know, it's, it's like bittersweet always, like when you're, you get a new assignment, because as happy as I've been in Monterey and just like been very welcome from the very beginning, um, I'm also very excited for this new mission to be a chaplain at a high school with, um, over a thousand students, That's wonderful. um, boys and girls, and just be able to serve them now as a priest. That's like also yeah. just with that. that changes. That's like total game changer. Yeah. Like to go there as a brother or a deacon is awesome, but to go right. there as a priest. Yeah. And no, you don't, you, you, now you're not going to have to say like, you're not, not going to say You're not going to have to say anymore. You know, I'm sorry. I'm not a priest yet. Or no, I, well, I'm sorry. You know, I can't, Oh, I'm actually not a priest yet. You know, exactly. Father, can you hear my confession? Mm. Yes. I can, but I can't give you absolution. That's like the, <laughs> that's the typical response. Exactly. You don't actually say that. As a, non, like, as a non-priest. <laughs> exactly. So, yes. So in nine days, that that changes. Fine is going to change. Nine days. So, wow. yeah, coming to a close here. In nine days that you're going to, we're going to have this ceremony. Or if you're really faithful and you're listening to this first Friday of May, tomorrow. That's right. Tomorrow. That's right. Well, nobody is because they're not going to have access to our, our files on your laptop. What are you talking about? So in nine days. So like they're not going to listen to it in nine days. They're not going to listen to it now because we're saying in nine days. 
And so they would have to have access to your laptop to listen to the file. So that Today. The, exactly. Exactly. So, so unless would, somebody hacks into your laptop. But I'm saying like if a faithful listener listens to it after motivation, it's no longer nine days, it's no longer tomorrow either. That's true. So yesterday. <laughs> either you're already a priest. Well, right now you're not a priest. <laughs> I'm not a priest, but I am. So the subject called Brother Luke Wiki, whose status is not certain. <laughs> he's either a priest or he's not. Speaking of fluid. Are you nervous about the ceremony? Yes. <laughs> is there like... I mean, about the ceremony? No. The ceremony? No. Okay. The ceremony is going to be amazing. And the miracle that happened, it really is a mirror because like you, you read through the rite of ordination, mm-hmm. the, the bishop's going to put his hands on my head. Then he's going to say some words, which are the prayers that are, that are prescribed by the church. And with those words, especially the words that are found in bold mm-hmm. in the booklets that some of you, if you're coming to ordination, will see. And if you're not, that you can find on the internet. In all caps. On yeah. all caps. Sorry. In all caps. Um, with the gesture of the hands, because every sacrament has like a gesture and mm-hmm. like the matter and then the words, the form. That that brings about just like baptism brings about a transformation you don't see. Mm-hmm. It it leaves an internal character on the soul, like a seal that this person is a child of God. I will I will have that seal placed on my soul for all eternity as a priest. So that miracle, like for the ordination rites, can be amazing. Uh-huh. But I guess what gets me nervous not so much the ordination rite, but it's what I need to, what I'm called to live up to, and. Um, I don't know. There's always, I think every priest I think I've talked to has always felt like, oh yeah, like you're never going to be ready. Like, I feel like I'm not ready. Yeah, you're never going to be ready. Right. And that's true because <laughs> it's, it's bigger than us. It's the priesthood of Christ. So we're never going to live up to that completely. But um, more than anything, just excited and grateful. And I know that it's not me. Like it doesn't, it's not, a, it's not, it doesn't all depend on me. It's, you know, it's much, much more. I depend on God and on Christ that he'll help me. When we profess, I think that in the Legion, we've always heard this, that like, it's not so much that I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to you. It's much more when we profess, when we say, I'm going to live poverty, chastity, obedience for the rest of my life, it's much more God saying, I'm going to be faithful to you. Mm-hmm. Rather than us being faithful to him, which we try to do, as you see in the Bible, man always messes up, but God continues being faithful. And so I'm banking on that. All right. So here's a, here's a sticky question. Your family member comes to you and asks for confession. What do you do? I say yes. <laughs> I th- so th- I've heard people that's like, no, I couldn't do that because whatever. Awkward. But it's not us. Like that's what, I mean, I don't I have, I have no experience of this. And so the priest said, right. yeah, have yeah, more yeah. experience of said, oh, no, it's better not. And for, in a certain sense, it's true. But I just think as a priest, it's not you that's confessing. It's that's Christ. True. That's true. And so... And I've always heard, the priest always told me too, that there's a special grace that you forget what you hear in confession. I hope that's the case. And I hope that's the case too. But at, at the same time, it's, I think I've always heard as well from other priests. So like all these things I've heard and I, cause I haven't experienced it yet is that you leave confession, like priest leaves confession edified, like impressed on uh, admiring, right. admiring the humility, humility of and the sincerity yeah. of the, the repentance of the person that the person goes in and thinks, oh man, like. You might just, yeah, as you're about to walk in the fish, oh, man, this priest is going to think I'm Seems, horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the priest the, is the opposite. The op- it's the opposite. It's the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, this person has yeah. the humility yeah. and the sincerity and the self-knowledge and the desire to be close to Christ that he's he or she is sharing all of this with Christ because it's not the priest. Right. That's why the priest can say, I absolve you from your sins. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To the ministry of the church, I absolve you from your sins. Mm-hmm. Not Christ absolves you from your sins because it's Christ who's absolving the sins. Through the priest. And so I would say, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
I but maybe for my siblings, yeah, my yeah, family yeah. made them more comfortable confessing to someone who's not their son. Or I'm brother. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes, I would say I'm not going to turn away anyone. No, of course. Yeah. Awesome. So last question. Okay. Where are you going to celebrate your first mass? Ooh. So I'm going to celebrate my first mass at a parish here in Rome called San Salvatore in Lauro. And I've asked Brother Andrew to sing. Oh yeah. Some of the brothers there. I asked I asked Brother Luke to celebrate it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about him. It's about the wedding part. Um and so he said yes. He's my my co-host is has always got my back. And I wanted to do it at that church because I spent the last three years of Rome when I was studying theology, also dedicating some time once a week to catechism. Um and so some of the families of the catechism, some of the boys and the boys and girls and their parents will be at the first mass. Um it's a beautiful parish. It's actually the parish of Padre Pio of Rome. And so Padre Pio is in San Giovanni Rotonda, which is kind of far from here. But they have a lot of relics in that church. And every 20th, he's feast days of September 23rd. But the 20th of every month, they have a special mass, um, you know, dedicated to him, like asking for his intercession during that mass. Um, they also have relics of John Paul II in the church. But it's just a beautiful church where they, they take care of all the details of making the liturgy beautiful. And so I was thinking there's no better place for my first mass. It has so much meaning for me. Also, I dedicate my first year of theology too. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't say this meaning to Upper Room. Mm-hmm. Both of us did. Mm-hmm. Um, upper Room, which was a Thursday night adoration for university students in English. And then we go get tacos mm-hmm. at an Irish pub in Rome. <laughs> that was the tradition. It's awesome. Yeah. And uh, so hopefully in the future we can keep doing that. Um, but Upper Room is also something that I dedicated my whole first year to. And then a little bit my second and third year. Um, but with the pandemic and everything, it was kind of tough. Um, so that parish has a lot of just significance for me that I spent many hours in that church. Right. Um, and we did processions through around Piazza Navona and all those areas and stuff. And Don Pietro and Patrizia and the whole team, Gianrico there, are awesome. So um, I thought, okay, but no better place would do it there. And then my second first mass, the altar of John Paul II, his tomb. Oh, my gosh. That was pretty special, too. And my third first mass in Orvieto. <laughs> Orvieto. Whereas at the altar of the corporal wow. of the Eucharistic miracle, Bolsena. That's amazing. Um, and my fourth first mass <laughs> is at the the altar of the tomb of St. Catherine of Siena. What about your third, fifth mass? Third, fifth mass. I don't know. Actually, I don't even have that one planned yet. <laughs> oh, man. I'm getting stressed out now. Which mass would that be? Your, <laughs> your third, fifth, like five. So that'd be like your 15th That'd be mass. the eighth mass. Eighth mass, that's not my first mass. It's an eighth non-cantamisa mass. Non cantamisa, right? Not sing the because all the first masses are first masses, and then so it's not a first mass anymore. Now it's your second mass, and then third, and your third mass, fifth, and then the third fifth would be the eighth, I guess. I thought it was like three times five because like your your first fifth and then your second fifth is is your tenth mass. Oh, and your third fifth is your fifteenth mass. Put it in the comments of this podcast. What do you think? Is- <laughs> all right, folks. Let's keep Deacon Luke in our prayers as he enters his retreat and as he is configured to Christ for all of eternity. And let's pray for vocations to the priest so that more men give up their lives so that they can receive so much more back. How can this episode help you to live your vocation out to the full? Because remember, people, we do not just do. We dunque. Veni spiritus, mentes visita. Super.
What was that? What was that? TGIFM. What was that? Two brothers in row. What was that? What was that? TGIFM. What was that? It's a double F, not a singular F. TGIFF Instagram is TGIFF dot pod squad. Facebook, Instagram, internet. All over.